Welcome to another episode of Loving Angels Instead. My name is Mel. And my name is Maya. Our guest today is Boris Radke, CIO at ProSiebenSat1 and former head of corporate communication at Zalando. One of our topics today will be the relationship between founder and investor. Boris, thank you very much for joining. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Boris, you have worked in many different fields, such as HR, corporate communication, IT, logistics. When was the point at which you said that you wanted to start angel investing as well? Well, um, yeah, as you said, uh, I've, uh, I would have, I would say, I would have created a vast experience, a field of experience over the last about. 20 years now, uh, working um, on different companies, building my own company uh, very early on after my uh, after I finished high school. So um, I was kind of always driven by a very entrepreneurial spirit uh, right after high school. So that started right away when my experiences were growing more and more and more and more people approached me with uh, ask, and asking me for, for help, asking me for mentoring, asking me for advice. They also um, asked me if I would be able to to help them building up their companies. So I think it happened over the last three years uh, very continuously to to grow uh, more and more and it has become part of uh, what I'm actually doing all the time right now. So what kind of startups have you invested in so far? Mm -hmm. It's um, quite a big spread, I would say. So some uh, very early stage ones. Um, Uh, for example, uh, one in my hometown uh, where it's about building some some sensors to measure sports uh, movements. One in the, in the fashion uh, industry where it's about uh, creating platforms, especially in the in the international Dubai uh, region to serve customers from all around the world in the very luxury fashion uh, space. And um, also one in the car dealer industry. Um, so also like in terms of size, some that are very, very big, uh, some that are just just have been founded a couple uh, months ago. That's actually very interesting. We don't hear of angels that are actually investing into so many different types of fields, um, whether hardware or software. Um, have you always invested in terms of cash or mm -hmm. what do you bring into the equation? Well, uh, like in the beginning, it usually was about my advice. So usually it was about uh, helping the founders, advising them in uh, building the company from the right point of view, um, especially also advising them on how to scale uh, communications, how to scale um, investor relations um, and all those kind of things. Um, recently, uh, I think I've also started um, uh, Uh, investing with cash so that's the hardware one uh, in, in my hometown and there but I, i would also say like I'm, i'm usually the type of guy who wants to always go in when there's also some component of advising the the, the founders very very closely can you tell us a little bit more in detail about the first investment that you've made How was the start for you? How did you feel investing your personal money or actually even mm -hmm. your time while you're uh, in a quite high profile position at Proceedings mm -hmm. Alliance? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so that was actually even still when, when, I, uh, when I was with uh, Zalando. So when I was still with Zalando, uh, a friend of mine who was just building his own startup in, in Dubai came up to me and said like, hey, um, you know what, uh, I have this crazy idea about opening a platform to to bring luxury fashion to the people here in this region. Um, and I don't know how to do that. So I, I met him and uh, we, we discussed it back and forth. And I then said, okay, like, 
I think it would definitely make sense to have that on a very continuous level and also to give him some more insights in terms of like what kind of investors are important. How do you build up teams? How do you set up the right structures? Um, so taking some of the experiences that I've made building my own company, but also during my time at Zalando, but also like, I mean, I was also in a startup in, uh, in Berlin, which completely was a big failure for me. So so I had I have like a vast experience of positive and negative uh, things to experience. And I think in that space, like I was a very good uh, match for him at that stage. So it was for me, I would say a very, it, I didn't even think about it too much. It was like more natural thing that, I mean, I, I've always been a guy who was always approached and asked for advice. And uh, when when it came to say like, okay, then, then I would also invest in this company with my time. That was not a big question for me, to be honest. We sometimes hear from angels after the first one, you kind of get a little bit addicted to it and then start to always look for the next opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a saying in German, maybe Mel, you can help me. In German, you'd say you had a taste of blood. Uh, <laughs> Blutgelegt. Blutgelegt, yes. I, I don't know that yeah. uh, phrase in English, so to, to the English-speaking audience, I'm very, very sorry. Oh, I thought I thought you didn't know. I thought that was the English one already. Is it? No, uh, I thought it was. To, well, taste of blood? I think taste of blood is right. Okay, so uh, apparently yeah. this is right. Um, did you have the same feeling? So after your first involvement, you, you asked yourself, okay, what's the next thing that I can get into? To be honest, not. like I, It wasn't on my radar to say like I want to become an investor. Uh, that was certainly not. I mean, I was always like I, I love to focus on my on my daily work uh, and this, and the the challenges that are right in front of me. And until now, I mean, most of the time it was more of a natural thing for me. I mean, I've been uh, helping startups to to build their um, setups and and to grow ever since I I built my first company. So when I when I built my first company, I was like 21 years old. And already with like 23 or 24, I met friends of mine who, who had another company in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a town nearby and they asked me for advice and I ended up buying that company actually. So that was always something that was around and, and like I would never consider myself. So most people don't even know that I'm, uh, I'm investing uh, in that kind of sense because I feel like more like a, more a mentor and advisor uh, to all the people around me. That leads me to my next question. How deeply do you go into the daily business of the startups that you advise if you have invested into them? Yeah, it's completely different. Like, um, I mean, there are, um, uh, when it comes to the ones where I'm heavily in consulting in terms of uh, communications, it can actually be a daily thing, like a daily call with uh, the people that are in charge and making sure that um, the, the current uh, topics around like, Uh, different kind of press releases or different kind of uh, communication strategies are laid out in the right way, that the right people are hired, um, that the re right uh, systems are, ta are, are onboarded, um, and so on and so on. So that can actually be very, very much going into detail. And then there are the ones where it's more about like a once every three months we have a call, we go through the current stage, the current KPIs, um, Uh, how is everything uh, progressing? Do you need any kind of help? Do you, do you need any kind of intros? Are there any people that I can uh, uh, that I'm able to connect to you? Uh, and are there any kind of experiences that I've just made in my new field here at Prozim that can help companies, for example, decide very early on how to move into the cloud, um, how to choose the right uh, set of uh, business applications uh, very early on, and that is. Uh, 
that so the, it's it's a super wide range of of different paths that I that I take on. What would you say are the differences in the communication startup versus corporate? I mean, you've been in the corporate communication for Zalando, which is a huge corporate now, mm -hmm. and comparing that to very early startup, how different is it? What do you have to do differently? I mean, the the advantage was that I built Zalando's uh, corporate communications from nothing, so I was number one. So um, there was nothing before that, so it was actually like a, a building up, a building it up from scratch. And at the moment when it become became more corporate, I actually uh, stepped out of that role because um, I would always have considered myself not to be the right one for a very corporate community, like a corporate corporate communication uh, role. Um, and so, actually, to be honest, uh, helping startups with with building the corporate communications feels extremely normal to me because it's always the same kind of things. I mean, you you have to discuss with your founder when is it the right time to start approaching uh, the public, uh, when is it the right time to start thinking about politicians, when is it the right time to start thinking about um, when do you also want to um, gain more exposure regarding conferences, etc. And then it's about setting up the right processes, you know, like um, building up the right distribution list for the right people in the press. How do you make sure that your founders get the right touch towards the press from a very early moment on, but also then going through all the pain points when they receive the first negative feedback from the press and suddenly they feel like, okay, I will never ever speak to the press again just as we had it in almost every company that I've worked with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if yeah. you don't get any negative backlash, that means something is wrong with the press ecosystem. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I quickly want to touch upon the difference between giving advice as a service and giving advice when this is actually tied to your own personal investment. Yeah. If you give yeah. advice as a service, whether the company is using that advice, I mean, you couldn't care less. Yeah. Do you sometimes feel like you're getting almost a little bit paternal when it comes to giving advice and, and you really want to see whether this has been um, implemented? Or how do you feel in this process with this actually being tied to your own skin in the game? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, skin in the game, like also investing with money is certainly a different, it's a completely different uh, a game. I mean, you, 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 you suddenly... You think about who else is investing. Um, you have this kind of momentum where you have to really say like, okay, yeah, I will go now and I trust this to go forward. I mean, if I just go with my advice, to be honest, my my, my rationale behind it is like, it's, it's a very easy investment for me because I mean, it's yes, it's time and time is definitely a luxury right now, especially if you become more and more involved in more companies in your own job. I mean, the job that I'm currently doing is like transforming an IT organization of a, um, a TV broadcaster to become a full-blown 360 um, uh, entertainment company in the digital space. So this is a highly demanding job. And every time I pick up the phone and discuss for one and a half hours with a founder about um, uh, the communication landscape, this is definitely taking, I take that away from my personal life. And uh, so that investment is definitely also there, but it's still something completely different, I would say, uh, when you compare it to, okay, and I invest a sum of X, Y, Z amount of money into it. And I definitely want to make sure that I have the best possible control about whether they, I will see some significant return on that. And this doesn't mean to be always 
in terms of money, but at least to to say that you are part of a great journey that the startup was, is going to take and not being like something which just is about to fail, perhaps very miserably in the beginning. Yeah. And I mean, this also requires, a, I would say, quite an intense trust relationship between you and the founders. How do you build that up? Uh, do you need that beforehand? Is that something you actively work on throughout the process? Yeah, well, I, I usually look at the founders very, very closely. I mean, as, but I think that's the most normal thing. Like you you try to to see what are the behaviors of that kind of founder. Are those behaviors the ones that actually have made you think that that, that is comparable to other people that have built successful companies around you in the past? Do they Do they already own the right toolkit to approach difficulties and challenges the right way or are they more or less naive uh, or have the tendency to stop calling you when it gets dangerous and stuff like that i mean you somehow built that as you said like some kind of trust but but most of it uh, i think like in my from gain, coming back from my experiences i've seen a lot of things that failed and a lot of things that have succeeded and of course Being part of Zalando was a super big success story, but also like some of the other startups around me that I saw have become very, very, very big companies uh, over time. And then at a certain point of time, they sometimes then lost it. And and to understand what is the right DNA for a good founder and, and also what is the right founder for a startup and who's the right CEO then for a bigger company, that's also a big question that you see then along the way. And that is always something very important to see also in a founder. Is that the right person to also understand when it's the right time perhaps also to, to step back and get into um, perhaps more an advisory function? Just like I always take the example of, of the Google guys who understood very well at the right moment, okay, this is now getting way too big and the, the, the business model itself becomes very, very complex. So we need somebody with a very senior a corporate background such as Eric Schmidt to take over and we rather go in the background and we come back when it when the company is set up in the right structure to actually bring back the value that we as founders as with our DNA are able to provide and I think um, that has been something also when it was about working with with uh, the three guys at, uh, at Zalando which was extremely impressive to see that whenever the company was taking another step towards growth, they were always growing at the same pace along the way. And that was something to 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 see also what, what were the character traits that they brought with them early on and what were the character traits that you saw in others who failed to, to, to hit that point in the right way. So just out of your experience, if you had to pick two or three of these character traits you would like to see, what would be these? First of all, I think um, the, the biggest character trait to me is always the right mix between naivety and um, a good gut feeling. Because in the end, we can all talk about data and tech and so on and so on. But in the end, building a company is, I, I would always say, is the easiest thing uh, on earth because you just look at everything that is around you and which is not working out the right way that you expect it to be and you can solve that problem and if you can solve that problem you can actually uh, in most cases you can build a company around that but to have that kind of look around you um, with a certain kind of naivety and then also have like this gut feeling of saying like hey there might be i think that's actually you can solve that and then have the gut feeling of saying and actually i think there's a market for to do that that is i think the best combination uh, in the beginning what if um, you put Trust in the founder and all the characteristics seem right, but after some time you realize that 
you're kind of losing faith in them, that they are not ambitious enough or that they're not capable yeah. enough. And you're scared now to lose your money. What do you do? I, I mean, in general, that's part of the deal. Um, that is also something that you have to be aware of that that can all, always happen. It just depends on like what kind of perspective do you have towards that investment. I mean, in, uh, in most cases, uh, the first thing, of course, what you want to do is approach that founder and talk very directly with him or her um, and, and be very, very open about uh, that feeling that you have and also make sure that that person gets grounded to to a level where he or she understands that this is like something that is to my extent very very serious about the future of this company if i think that you do that a couple times it's possible that this uh, happens uh, doesn't have the right effect right away but if it doesn't have the right effect after let's say about a uh, six months or 12 months then you also at a certain point of time, decide to to move back. And then just, I mean, you have to have that kind of, if you don't have that kind of mentality um, to say like also, okay, uh, let's rather focus on the stuff that is actually working out well, then uh, I think it's also uh, like, I, I think it doesn't make sense to go in and try to fight for your return uh, or something. I think that's the wrong way. And I also have seen that in, in the companies that I work with, those kind of uh, investors. Usually, I think, did not have the right intentions from the start with when, when joining that company. Absolutely. I mean, as you said, communication is key and you, you made a career out of this. <laughs> um, but so we talked about your approach so far as an agent investor or as an advisor. Can you tell us a little bit about where the journey is supposed to go? What, what is your goal for your investments? Do you have a certain vision or do you want to stay opportunistic? Oh, it's a, it's a very, I mean, you can, you can look at it from, from certain, uh, different, different kind of angles. Like usually I would say like, I'm now at the end of uh, my thirties and, um, I'm now in, in a very senior position. So uh, actually my, my goal was always to give back and, and, and uh, give back to the community and whether that community is founders, whether it's young, talented people that are just uh, coming out of school and think about if they actually want to go to university. I mean, in my case, I mean, I never went to university because I started founding a company. Um, I never had the time to actually go to university uh, because I always worked um, in, in, in such a way. And I was always like, I always felt like an entrepreneur from the beginning on ever since I left school. And that was something I think what that is some of that learning I try to give back to to the people and I will always continue to do so. Um, and, uh, and, and also that might also lead to the point where I would definitely say at some point that I'm more or less only doing mentoring for the startup community, uh, whether it's in Germany, in Europe, uh, or um, somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, I would like to start one of our little categories, which is called the Angel ABC. Okay. So in the Angel ABC, we ask you to explain a common phrase in, from the Angel environment to someone who doesn't really understand the normal angel environment phrases. So the first one is N for NDA. <laughs> cool. Uh, Non-disclosure agreement. Um, so, um, so I have to explain it in a way that a five-year-old can understand it? A five-year-old or let's say maybe a 15-year-old. But someone who doesn't know much about angel investing. Okay, okay. Um, so an NDA is, uh, is a piece of paper um, That is actually one of the most important ones you can sign uh, as uh, as an in, in, in the 
in the investment space or general also in the workspace. It means that um, whatever you discuss uh, between you and uh, somebody else, uh, that other person uh, that is signing the NDA remains just with uh, with you too. And whatever um, comes out of this discussion and or whatever is shared in this discussion remains just among you. And uh, you are not allowed to um, disclose that to anyone else outside of this group that is uh, from, uh, that is by, uh, bounded to this uh, agreement. So the second one is P for post and pre-money valuation. If you want to invest in a in a startup um, at a, at a, in, in the beginning, you look at the company. What is, what is the company uh, worth right now? And after you have invested and you put a lot of money into it, you put maybe some strategic partners into it. Um, what is it worth after that? So that's pre and post money valuation. All right, that was the Angel ABC. What we normally hear is that angels are using their professional experience out of their day jobs and use these learnings to advise startups. Now, you being in the role of being the CIO of ProSiebenZ1 Media, do you actually feel like that with your involvement as an angel, you actually learn things that you can then also apply in your day-to-day -day job at ProSiebenZ1? Absolutely. You mean, I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a two-way street. Uh, so on the one side, uh, definitely uh, the, the job that I'm doing will always help uh, startups along the way. Uh, but uh, at the same time, um, the view that I gain through looking into young companies and how they set up their IT infrastructure, how they um, set up their processes, how they look at building tech teams um, from the beginning on, is super good to uh, to then match with an, a more legacy-driven uh, company that has had um, technology being built for the past 30 years. Um, and I think that kind of fresh look is something that I try to give back to our um, employees and my staff the whole time and also in setting up the most lean and the most reliable structures and also the most scalable structures for the future. Um, I think uh, when you when you are in a big corporate, uh, you usually tend to start looking at things very much from a very, very silo point of view. And you only surround yourself with people that are just discussing that certain topic for the next three or four years. And ha always having that outside look and bringing that look back into that uh, discussion uh, and into that community is uh, something of, of high value, I think, and also something that is also changing the culture that uh, that that Prozim that Ains is currently taking uh, taking on regarding building a, a very very new unique uh, tech culture. Would you, for someone who has not yet enough money to angel invest, would you advise someone to rather work in startups rather than corporates in order to then maybe in 10 years have enough experiences in the startup ecosystem to invest? I mean, usually I always uh, say it's it's three parts uh, that are important to, to learn. I always advise people, even though I never did it, but I from the, the people around me that I saw, um, I usually advise everybody to to have two years or so in a um, one of the big consultancies or the, the, the big management consultancies um, to do so, uh, even though it's really not a beautiful job to do. But, <laughs> in, <laughs> but, but you learn Excel, you learn uh, PowerPoint, you learn uh, how to uh, 
be very, very uh, humble about your own expectations, I would say. Um, and uh, with with that experience, you, you then go with a high point of frustration. You rather go into the next field, which is then a startup, where you learn uh, how to build things from scratch, where you are free to do things and and also you can fail and 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 break things uh, very very easily with that in mind you do that for two or three years and then you go into a corporate you see what a corporate is like you see the restraints you see some of the things that um, actually are very admirable being in a corporate like i mean when when you look at companies um i mean i, I just visited the the people uh from from microsoft uh earlier this year in redmond uh near, near seattle and those are companies that I totally um, admire for their persistency, their their way to be on top of everything for decades. I mean, even if I talk to the people here uh, in, in Munich uh, from 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 Siemens, I love to 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 spend time there because even though it looks from a startup point of view, it looks horrible, of course, because it's huge, it's big, it's slow uh, on, on from the outside. But then working in such a monster and then making that deliver actually and and continuously deliver on growth, but also deliver on uh, on high margins, is something that I think is also giving back some some humbleness uh, to people in the startup scene. And I think like having made that kind of experience is, is something that is very very valuable and that actually qualifies you um, as a as an angel from my point of view in a very very good way because you then you you have the right kind of ground humbleness to 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 approach every new business from the right way even the ones that are super successful early on you you can make sure that the the founders understand that this is not a journey that will always continue to be that beautiful uh, there will always be high risks coming upon you and and um, having made all these experiences and all these different kind of environments, I think will help you uh, to to actually make sure that you set the right expectations to every uh, founder uh, there, there can be. Are there any other companies, small or big, that you find somehow fascinating and you, that you think startups and investors can learn from? I cannot uh, mention enough how, how important I think Zalando was for the German uh, startup uh, ecosystem. Um, because like, I mean, you saw definitely some, some, some crazy dynamics in, in this, in this company. I mean, when, when I joined, we were about, I think about a hundred people. And when I left, we were 14,000. Um, so, and, and seeing that kind of growth within not even seven years, uh, was, something that i would say everybody should definitely have a look in, uh, into and um but on the other side there are so many other companies uh, i mean i do have to always say that i i absolutely admire uh, companies such as adidas uh, such as amazon of course usually from their uh, headquarter kind of thinking the way they approach uh, building great companies it's it's and and still keep it very very lean and very very um sportive um is, is i think uh, super super impressive um a company that i just visited uh, a couple months ago also in, in, in the us was slack who just uh, went went public uh, in new york and um i think uh, having a founder such as Stuart butterfield who actually already built a company called flickr uh, a couple of years ago and made that to become a super big success and then ends up building a gaming startup that was out of money and then pivoting it to become Slack. 
is also one of the greatest founder stories that I've seen recently. Uh, so I think like uh, there are many, many great uh, examples uh, out there. Um, but also like I think in general, what I've seen is just like uh, there are so many hidden champions out there um, of, of great companies that are somewhere here in the uh, vicinity of, uh, of Bavaria who have built great, unique companies with a high value generation uh, with uh, tremendous growth. Um, like I'm also, for example, on the advisory board on the or on the board uh, of Barbor, which is a beauty cosmetics uh, company from my hometown, which is a family-run business, uh, but they are delivering on tremendous growth, uh, tremendous returns uh, every year, and they are uh, they have transformed from a very old-school kind of beauty company to become a very very successful modern-day uh, on social media very active uh, beauty company. That is uh, um, that has always kept to their values uh, very early on. They built their uh, the the founder actually built the uh, the values in the 50s, uh, I think, and they are still alive today. And this is of course something very very admirable to me. We basically have learned that whenever you are sitting in a board, you can transform any big silo into something lean. So when I'm a founder, I should try to seek you out and try to get you as my advisor on board. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the, do that per se. But I, I definitely can bring a certain kind of experience to the table that is not the the very classic one. I mean, you can when 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 I see the my colleagues around me. Um, Uh, that are also angel investors. Those are usually the classic guys. I mean, those are the ones who went to uh, the, the classic universities. Um, they went uh, to, to McKinsey. They went to Boston Consulting Group. They then went to a startup. It all worked out. They made a lot of money with it. They reinvested into the community, which is the best thing that can happen to the German uh, system. But again, I think that's also just part of the equation. I think People like I am, and also like, for example, the the the, the company that I also work with very closely is uh, the the family, a French-run uh, um, startup incubator kind of uh, organization, also stationed in Berlin. People that have made more a let's say unusual uh, uh, path uh, to 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 gain experiences, um, they can offer advice to investors uh, to founders that is certainly di different and that also brings in another perspective because yeah my 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 views just like i think you need to form a great round of people around you um, that have a very diverse set of views uh, upon uh, growth uh, upon uh, purpose upon values uh, and upon like what actually drives the company uh, towards success amazing so mel are we applying at uh McKinsey, Bain, or BCG soon? I just filled out the <laughs> application form. And let's hope for it. So, I mean, I got, I got, I, I went through my school. I, I did, I did private equity. I went through my school of learning Excel and PowerPoint. But, uh, <laughs> now, like, See, I never, I, I, like one of the best anecdotes was like, I, I mean, I, when I when I joined Solando, I was already 30, 31, no, 30 years old, and um, I was sitting there. Uh, I was doing the um, the warehouse search uh, project, uh, the first one for Zalando, and the guy next to me was the COO of Zalando, and now the new CFO of Zalando, David Schröder, and he sat next to me, and uh, I was supposed to do a PowerPoint presentation, and seriously, I mean, I was 30 years old, and I have never done PowerPoint in my entire life, and 
he was uh, and he was he was sitting next to me doing something and he saw me doing powerpoint and she just looked at me and david had some good background in mckinsey and he just looked at me was like come on boris let me do it and he did it like within within two minutes he did it all with the keyboard and it was the most impressive thing i've ever seen in my life like i was sitting there like holy shit, that's a completely different thing. <laughs> I've never seen that, anything like that. And I, yeah, and until until I joined Zalando, to be honest, I wouldn't have even been able to tell you what, uh, what McKinsey is about, um, which was also something I think was uh, very helpful for my experiences. Great. <laughs> I cannot imagine me doing that. It sounds so hard. I'm teaching, Mel, I'll teach you how to throw away your mouse and just use the keyboard. It's very easy. <laughs> Okay, Boris, thank you very much. I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for all of your insights and uh, the tips that you shared. And good luck for all your future investments. Thank you very much and uh, thanks for having me. And thanks also to all of our listeners and make sure to tune in next time for Loving Angels Instead. 